since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, Sue Richards, Johnny Storm. Together they braved the unknown terrors of outer space and were changed into something more than human. Mr. Fantastic, The Thing, The Invisible Girl, The Human Torch. And now the world will never again be the same. Stan Lee presents The Fantastic Four. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode, we want to tell y'all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. Go ahead. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. There we go. I I wanted to do a little dramatic pause before the slash. It really wasn't dramatic. It It was action. Or at least a very much adventure. A hand slash motion. Whoosh, I'm a fruit ninja now. I just like fruit. It's a game. I'm the oh. Take strawberries and... Uh, kiwis. Lemon kiwis and... Are good. Okay, fine. I love kiwis. But anyway, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcast or give myself a like ski on there and listen to my ramblings. Well, read my ramblings. Not really listening. Unless I do a video on there. I haven't. But I should. Future thought. Future... Indeed, it's going to be put back in the mental Rolodex. You can also find us on the Twitter machine at The Marvelists. Give us a follow on there. Give myself a follow at Peter Melnick. And once again, hashtag Eddie Wilson is going to Galactus your responses. You, if you think he's going to be on Twitter. Wow. Yeah. Hashtag Jeremy Bagley. How about that one, Jeremy? Also, you can follow us on Instagram at... The Marvelous. Give myself a follow at Peter Melnick and your fine self at Eddie9193. You can also drop us a line in our email bag, themarvelists at gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, you name them, we read them, we do stuff. We're going to look at them. We're going to go stuff. Stuff. Yeah. Is it it double stuff? If you are so inclined to like that uh, cookie. Is it mega stuff? Sure. Is it the other one that's a whole lot of stuff? Have you tried those? No. On one of my cheat days, I had one, and it was amazing. It was like a little bit more, but not by much. Amazing mega lot of stuff. Eh. Double. Eh. But anyway, questions, comments, strongly worded letters, fan art, haikus, pictures, pictures of Spider-Man. You know, we want them. We want them from y'all. Drop them in our email bag, like I said, themarvelousatgmail.com. You can also find us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Podbean. Let's see. There was another one on there, wasn't there? You you have the list. SoundCloud. Hooray. Oh, I think I just messed the levels up, but hooray. I, uh, it's, you hear that too, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, we well, share headphone volume, sort of, kind of. Thankfully, we have someone who can help us out, our wonderful audio engineer, John Sherburn, who, by the way, you can check out his podcast, Nightcap which I believe is also on Spotify. Give that show a listen. And in oh, the no. meantime... Oh, no. Really? Does yeah. It, uh, it, and it's uh, really good. It doesn't put you to sleep, does it? No, it's not that kind of nightcap. It's a good... It's a really good oh. show. 
and it gets the Peter Melnick thumbs up of approval. I mean, I'm doing uh, the I, thumbs up for the audio podcast, but I thought I it was when you say when you when you bid adieu at the evening to the Star Spangled Avenger. You, you say stop that nightcap. But yeah, check out his show, Nightcap, which is, it's very rare for me. I really don't like one-man show podcasts, but Nightcap is a fun show, and it's very entertaining. He's very engaging, Mm -hmm. and he covers a whole gamut of topics. One of his episodes, he covers the movie Hereditary, and made me want to watch it. So, okay, I'm not a horror movie guy, really, per se. I like 1980 slasher movies, but I digest. So, once again, listen to us on all those different platforms. And when you're on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Share this show. Let people know you're listening. Let people know you're enjoying this show. Once again, with a five-star review. And another way you can help show that you enjoy this show is go on stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And when you do, you get a free one month of Stitcher Premium. And that free one month of Stitcher Premium, guess what, folks? 30 days. 30 days, one whole month free. And after those 30 days are over, what? It's only $4.99 a month. Oh. And yeah, by you know signing up with that little promo code, which is Marvelists, you'll be able to get a free one month and listen to thousands upon thousands, maybe in millions. I'm not really sure. But a lot of shows, a whole lot of shows on the podcasting platform, including Marvel's foray into podcasting, Marvel. The Long Night. And... Featuring? Wolverine, bub. Snicked. It's a really fun show, and it's, like I said, getting serialized now as a Marvel comic book. Monthly series. I believe it's only four issues. Issue number two just dropped fairly recently. So if you want to check it out, read the comic while listening to the 10-episode series, you can. So once again... Stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And once again, you can cancel at any time. So you sign up. It helps support the show. We get a little cut of the proceed and it helps the show out. Helps out with audio equipment. Helps out with server costs. Helps out with a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Stuff. So. So. Eddie, we're continuing Fantastic for February. And with this episode, we wanted to do a kind of mini book club slash why the Fantastic Four matters discussion with you and I. Relevant. Well, yeah, because it's February. February. Eddie, this issue is what we want the audience at home to check out, which you can check out on mycomicshop.com, order a copy of it, whatever, midtowncomics.com, or on Comixology or on Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited, personally, is the option I recommend going with because for only $9.99 a month, hey, Marvel, free commercial for you guys right now, you can check out a ton of Marvel content. And unlike the Distinguished Competition's Universe app, guess what happens, Eddie? What happens, Peter? None of those comics disappear. It's not curated like a Netflix kind of thing. When you're reading something on Marvel Unlimited, it stays. And we're not doing a promo code for this because we don't have anything set with Marvel for this. But we're doing this out of the kindness of our cholesterol-filled hearts. At least my heart. Well, just in moderation, please, like anything else. I know. But... It's dangerous. Like I said, you can read this comic on there. And what is the comic, Eddie? It is Fantastic Four Volume 3, correct? Correct. From the 1998 run. And it's issue number 60, as in 6-0, as in part of the 
time where the numbering was being cross-referenced, but 60 is what we're going with. And this is number 60 written by legendary Marvel writer Mark Wade. Mark Wade. Who's responsible for Kingdom Come over at the Distinguished Competition. The fantastic Daredevil run, which he co-worked on, or just worked on, co-worked, that doesn't even make sense. Worked on with Chris Samney, among many, many other series. And he did this work with the late, great Mike Waringo. And Mark passed away a few years ago, and the impact of his work is still being reflected on and respected to this very day. And I was not familiar with his work prior to reading this run. And I'm currently going through it because Fantastic Four February has done an amazing thing. It's made me love the Fantastic Four even more so than I already do. To an amazing level now. Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) Finger guns. But the thing about this run is the level of heart, and specifically in this issue. Wade and Waringo do an amazing job making you love the Fantastic Four and understand that they're not a superhero team. Once again, folks, Imaginots, but... They're a family. They're a family. They're adventurers. Explorers. Okay. What I wanted to jump in with is, and I will give you credit, even if my memory is not serving me correctly now, that you said... Yeah, you can just read this out of sequence. You can just pull it and read it. And yeah, it's a one and done. Just what I did, and it is pretty much self-contained. You didn't necessarily need to have anything prior to it. You just uh, need to nice know that they little, got belted with gamma rays. Just a really nice gamma. Solar, or solar rays. <sighs> cosmic. Whatever. No, no, and no. <laughs> cosmic radiation. That too. Test tube-like Radiation. That's the form of, you know, gamma is a different looking, coloring, etc. I so, know, Hulk. I get it. Science! Thomas dun, Dolby. Dun, 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 dun. And the other funny thing and good thing about this, I guess in the time that it came out, and it's looking like it was post 9 11 because there is the uh, red, white, and blue symbol ribbon in the uh, upper right corner, is it was marked at nine cents. And it was a way for people to be introduced to this series. Hey, you want to give the Fantastic Four a read? The movie is coming out. And like, I believe this series came out in 2003, this issue. So we're getting people ready on the hype train for the FF movie in 2005. Yeah. And I think I paid a dollar when I acquired it because it was after the uh, actual run date and all. And it's just still not bad. Still not bad at all. It's a fun issue. It's a amazing book to look at in terms of the artwork. Waringo is one of the best Fantastic Four artists on par with the late, great Jack Kirby, on par with George Perez, on par with John Byrne. I had never seen this artwork before, and I don't know the extent of what else I'll see him doing, but I'll remember the name for sure. Uh, You know, part of this general remembering of from reading it is, is somewhat adult- in nature, in some yeah. instances, adult humor or innuendo. Innuendo, that's an Italian suppository. No, no, not that. But it, it was smacking on um, um, a little bit of um, playfulness in a uh, flirtiness kind of way with Sue yeah. and, and Reed in one or two scenes, I think. The part, panels. I believe the part where she she's invi- or he's invisible somehow and they're making out in the middle of uh, Times Square while he's working on a math problem. Oh, maybe that was I it. I believe that was... She makes one or two comments of like, oh, you wish you could be... Invi- I, I forget what it was. Yeah. But yeah, just a overall fun issue. And the thing about this issue that 
grabbed my attention. Really, you know, just made me notice this. Her figure. I'm not talking about that. I'm oh, talking... I was? Okay. okay. She's, yeah. I'm talking about the aspect of why Reed Richards does what he does. And in this issue, yes. they mm-hmm. hire a public relations team. Yeah. And they end up basically putting this man through so much hell. He's he's almost like deep fried or, you know, set ablaze. He's almost like thrown off a building, just all this random stuff. And flame on. It sounds geez. Yeah. He goes into outer space and they just like the average person is not going to react to these things very well. Mm -hmm. And Mark ends up writing it in the sense of the outsider looking in at this spectacular world that they're used to. They are completely desensitized to all of this. And it's almost like a good commentary on being in Hollywood, because when you're in Hollywood, (laughs) you're used to the fame, you're used to the money, you're used to people walking up to you in the middle of the street and just asking for a photograph or an autograph. But for John Q. Public, that is weird. That's something Mm. they're not used to. And so in this issue, we're experiencing what it's like to be the Fantastic Four from an outsider's perspective. Because when you see them fighting the monsters, the Mole Man's creatures, or going in outer space and fighting, I believe, the Brood, something like that. Oh, boy. These monsters and aliens and what what have you. Oh, my. The average person is not going to react well to that. And the character that they bring in reflects that so very, very well. This is true. I agree. Okay, Rocket. This is also true. <laughs> Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, oh my. my. <laughs> That's where I was before George you continued. Takai? Takai. <laughs> on me. But. <sighs> take on me. But the wow. Thing... <laughs> uh-huh. 1985. 1985. Best, hunting, best hunting, music video. Hunting high or low. Yeah, hunting high and low. That too. But. The thing also about this issue, and no pun intended, the thing, ha, 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 people, the thing about this issue is why Reed gets them public relations and why Reed wants them to all be celebrities. Why is that, Eddie? Why is that? I guess it's it's something, I don't know, I'm thinking recognition, but that's not really what I think he was after. No, he wasn't. Um, that wasn't the reason why he wanted them to have this fame. Did he want his teammates to to realize the scope of what they're doing? He wanted his teammates. He sees them. They have all these problems now. One turns into flame. One is orange rock monster. One turns invisible. And one is literal silly putty. Mm. And you know what? What? He ruined their lives. Reed Richards ruined their lives by going out in outer space. Yeah, because it was all on him in that respect, yes. He wanted to pay them back and be that friend and be that person. You know what? I'm owning up to this. But if you guys have to be this, Mm. you know what? Screw it. You guys are capitalizing on this. You're going to be famous. You're going to be rich. You're going to exploit these problems. Not exploit, but you know what? Cash in on it. I want you guys to live a life of luxury. Get something out of it. Make it, you know, not just all hardship on yourself because this is something that I incurred upon you. I ruined your lives, but I want to find a way to make it better. And that's the kind of person Reed Richards is. And that's just an extension of, you know, him, meaning Reed, wanting to desperately find a cure for Ben as that was his sole mission ever since it happened. I promise you with every fiber of my being, every iota of my my composition, that I will fix this. Yeah. And, uh, I'm and currently, now this is, yeah. 
I'm currently rereading the Stan and Jack run through the Marvel uh, Epic uh, collections, right? Oh. And one of the things about that is three issues in, he's already tr- like found, like he's tried to reverse Ben's problem, I believe, twice at this point. Mm. And it's unsuccessful, but he keeps going, we're closer. We are closer to this. Ben, I promise you, you will be normal again. We don't know. And I mean, it's 2019 and he's still the thing. Yeah, and we... So he's pretty unsuccessful, Reed. Well, not only unsuccessful, but then later on in the in the long Fantastic Four run, you have Sharon who becomes the other thing. I actually am not aware of this. There's a fish. Her name is Sharon. She thing. She... Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's Ms. Thing, but there's Captain another... Captain Thing. No, no, no. There is a... Uh, there is another thing. Spectacular thing. And it's somewhere in the 90s, I want to say early 90s, that uh, she is there. That's interesting. I never knew that they had that. Yeah. That's cool. I, like I said. Ben Grimm gets uh, rockier in the sense of triangular plates are, are compo- the outer, you know, his outer skin. He's becoming more, I don't want to say defined, but sharper. Perhaps it's and, almost like a sharper image. And she, yeah, mm, even I get it. No royalties terrible. there. I mean, geez. And she has the appearance of the original thing, being sort of um, clay putty like. Oh, the OG thing where it's soft, like very mushy, soft mushy kind of thing. Yeah, and she's of that substance. What am I strong? Favorite? You know, as well. You know, bulked up and that kind of thing. One of my favorite but, moments in Marvel Team Up, or not Marvel Team Up, Marvel Two and One is there's an issue where. Original thing faces off with modern day thing. That's number 50, I believe. That's such a cool looking thing concept. versus thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a time. I think it was a time uh, travel. I wouldn't doubt it. That was, I think, in, in there as well. And seeing that, yeah, it's, it's also just a example of how much the, how would how would you say? Evolution. Evo- yeah, evolution of Progress. the characters. And also just, okay. Time marches on. But yeah, it's it's cool to see that. And this issue, I cannot stress enough how much I love this issue. And it made me want to check out the rest of the Waringo Wade run. And it's it's funny too, drifting over back to the topic of Mike Waringo, he was a guy who was very much a beloved figure in comics. And recently on comics Twitter a lot of people were talking about the impact that he had, the kind of person he was. And one of them, I believe it was Joe Casada, he ended up putting up this tweet talking about how back in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, DC, the Distinguished Competition, I will keep using that, they Fitz. offered a lot of people money to just jump ship and leave Marvel mm. while they were working on a book. They offered them big money. And, you know... Offering someone to leave, that's fine, but out of respect, you finish up your work and leave. You know, like, let's say you have a five-issue run on a series. Okay, cool. I'm working on issue three right now, but let me finish four and five as well, and then I can go off. That would just be, you know, the right thing to do. Respectful. DC, on the other hand, said, no, we want you to leave right now. Abandon ship right now, and you're coming over here. We're going to give you more money, more money than you really want, and take it. Mike was a man of his word for Marvel and said, no, I'm not going to leave. Can you let me just finish this issue? And they took the deal off the table. Mm-hmm. 
But the kind of person Mike was did what he did. And he ended up making himself one of the premier Fantastic Four artists of all time. Just amazing stuff. And like I said, I'm currently going through the run right now, picking up the uh, Ultimate Collection trades of them. And I adore the run. I think it's great stuff. And the issue paired alongside Mark's writing is absolutely solid. Rock solid. Things solid, Eddie. But, yeah. Orange rock monster solid. Okay, okay Tobias Funke. <laughs> but, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff like that that this issue alone shows why the Fantastic Four is an important part of the Marvel Universe. And before we get into our other topic of this episode, I loved this issue. Eddie, yourself? I did also. It was a human story. I was essentially it was very humanistic. And just by the couple of times you said on why it's why the FF are important, why they're relevant, well, let's remember the first Stanley creation. Here they are. Nearly the model. No. Fantastic Four, nineteen sixty one. The book that would make or break his career. It started the Marvel Age of Comics. Exactly. And they're still with us. That's got well, to mean something. For a number of years, they weren't, but if you remember. They've, they've lasted, they've persevered throughout, and, and they're, still, they're still with us. We're still talking about them. We still see them. We, you know, this many movies that we've discussed in the course of Fantastic February, they've got to be, you know, relevant. They've got to have meaning. They're still with us. So how, you know, otherwise things get canceled, and we know that. So there's still stuff to be said and known about and discovered about them. People are still interested in the characters where we continually, continually see fan castings for who the Fantastic Four should be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. You hear John Krasinski of The Office and A Quiet Place playing the role of Reed Richards. You hear people go on saying that Emily Blunt, his wife, should be the one that plays Sue Storm. And then my other personal favorite one... Recently, friend of the show, Charles Perallo, made the suggestion, and I was seeing, like, photoshops people did of them. Zach Efron as Johnny Storm. Mm. And when I saw that, I'm just like, holy crap, that is the perfect casting. He would make a great Johnny Storm. Because, he, one, he's got the name recognition as an actor. Okay. People know who he is. And it would be really funny then to watch The Greatest Showman afterwards to see... Wolverine acting alongside Johnny Storm. Yeah. But I love the fact that they're characters that, yeah, are timeless and they continue to be a part of pop culture and a part, a major part of the Marvel Universe. You have the relaunch going on right now, which is one of the best selling Marvel titles, I believe, of 2018. The Return of the Fantastic Four in FF number one, mm. written by Dan Slott. And. Just amazing stuff. And you also have, you know, for example, Chip Zdarsky going on doing Marvel 2-in-1 where we saw those characters, Johnny and the Thing, interacting with each other and going off and doing their own adventures. Right. And yeah. just the magic of these characters, the fun, the funness, if that's, you know, a word to use for this. If that's even a word. Uh, funness, yes. Hashtag to Nicole Jelenic. But, uh, tw- a, a word that she has coined, and I said, I'm going to associate that word with you. And she had no problem with that. So Right on. And the independent um, artist that she is. And the 
upstate New York area, Albany. But yeah, the FF are a very important part. And when I wanted to do this month, I was thinking to myself, I do like the Fantastic Four, but whatever. They're not the greatest thing ever. Cue me right now at the end of the month. I'm planning on buying a pair of blue uh, Chuck Taylor high tops. And I'm buying two FF or Fantastic Four logo patches and putting them on the sides of the high tops. So (laughs) can you tell I like the Fantastic Four more so now than I did before? And I think, too, uh, when you were insinuating another incarnation, people are talking about who's going to be the characters. It's to the point now where you don't have to, I guess, bring in an unknown and make it work. I mean, it's happened. That's the Marvel magic. Even before Disney, uh, to I, some degree. But now, do you, do you now is it the thinking that you try to go for a well-known name? Yeah, because I, I mean, don't know. I'm, I'm asking. I would personally, and everyone is going on with John Krasinski as Reed Richards. That's fine. He looks the part. He can do it. But sometimes when I see him, I also still think A Quiet Place, and I think Jim from The Office. But if you really want to mix things up, Yon. No, I don't want to see him again. Yeah, but he was when we discussed those movies. Yeah, he he's he was synonymous with that now. But if you want to make somebody new, mix things up, make something mm. big and explosive. Sounds like a bomb. And I've said this on the show before. You know who I'm going with, Eddie. Go ahead. Denzel Washington should be Reed Richards. Mm. And there are people like who are going on... Yeah, but he's white in the comics. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, just another SJW. First off, I just want to know, what does a single Jewish woman have to do with any of this? I'm not a single Jewish woman, Eddie. But uh, That is correct. But I don't care. if Yeah, I get he's that in the comics. He's a white guy in the comics. What about his personality and his persona, other than the visual standpoint, predicates that he has to be this? He can still be whatever. I don't know if you know this. People of color can be scientists. This is something that has already been broached with yeah. the Fan Four Stick movie. So, and here's the thing about that: he was good in the role. Michael B. Jordan was yeah. solid in the role for a movie that was pretty. Eh. 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 <laughs> he Peter just lost some steam. I think. <sighs> Again, that movie was not as bad as everyone makes it out to be, but man, oh man, oh, Shavitz, it was a boring movie towards the end. <laughs> so, yeah. And like I said, a lot of people, I would tell them that we're doing this, and during our Fantastic Four episode with Justin Wang, he made the comment he really never cared about the Fantastic Four. He thought they were boring. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about that. Many people I know have said that. Many, many, many people. Mm. And I'd like to know from your perspective as a lifelong comic book fan and in a lot of ways a lifelong Fantastic Four fan. Because I've seen pictures of you with your Reed Richards costume, with your picture with Stanley where you're wearing the F4 shirt. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people feel the way they do about the Fantastic Four? That negative attitude. Like at least in recent memory. Well, I don't know if it's a negative attitude. It's maybe neutral. It's neither here nor there. Eddie, when somebody says something is boring, that's pretty negative. Okay. Yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, it's not a positive word, correct. Golly gee whiz. That thing is boring. Oh, yeah. Didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Yeah, and 
Do you think these are people that haven't read the Fantastic Four or their only knowledge of the characters are the movies? Because they've had solid TV shows. I think it's very possible that their only knowledge is of the movies. Yeah. You know, any show with them, I think, was just relegated to a a cartoon, an animated thing. So you've possibly isolated or, you know, alienated them from from that because if you don't watch cartoons of superheroes, that's, you know, that's not your thing. Uh, But the movies, and that's where big discrepancies come in. They're not perfect. That they're not going to be comic book accurate, but they need to be somewhat homogenized and, uh, you know, straight up uh, palatable and possibly relatable to a lot of people. But you, So you're going to lose some of the authenticity of these characters. So that, I think, it's because of people who, who may only know the characters through the movies say, oh, it's boring, you know, nothing too outstanding, spectacular. And, and of course they're you didn't be, give them enough of a chance. They're going to be boring, of course, next to the X-Men, next to Iron Man, next to the friggin' Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, they're going to be boring. But when you watch them on their own as their own thing, they're fun movies. They have a lot of heart to them. Every single one, even at the very end of Fanforstic, had heart to it. Mm. And that's something I don't think – I think people are going into these movies as well – I want a superhero movie. Sure, because it's a Marvel comic character. And right, but then you know, again, Blade is Blade a superhero? That went in under the radar, not being yeah. told to the public. Wasn't this told is... until the third movie. Okay. Essentially, yeah. Oh, I have to throw in here. Did actually watch the end of that double DVD package. Oh no, I know the what you're Spike going with. TV 88-minute uh. Blade House of Kushan. How was that a sound effect? Kutchon. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Did you drop some Kutchon? When it was over, I. Law and yeah. Order SVU. Kutchon. Dun dun. Ching ching. Yeah. But I. That was, that was certainly a thing, wasn't it, Eddie? That was something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have the whole series on DVD. <sighs> well, now that's just full disclosure, and we didn't maybe need to even, you know, I, I don't need to borrow it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for blowing up the microphone, but... If it's kind of more of the same, then I know what I'm in for. Oh, it truly is. Then I'm fine. I I wanted to see the the rest of the purchase, which was the fourth of four DVD cinematic-type creations. And now I know uh, what what it was. Well, creation is really, really being loose with the last two, at least. Okay, well... But, yeah, the Fantastic Four, I would say people have that negative attitude because of movies that are just pretty okay. They're not the greatest thing, but they're pretty okay. There's actually a meme I reshared on our page from Marvel Shield posting where it's, they rejected Jesus's word, even though he told the truth. And the comment was, Fantastic Four movies from 05, or Fantastic Four and Rise of the Silver Surfer were pretty good. And people, like, it is kind of true. They are pretty okay movies yeah and they're passable they are that's why they're continually continually released over and over on network tv or not network tv on cable like Mm -hmm. i typed in fantastic four 2005 because i was doing a quick little search on there and it's showing this weekend of this recording on encore i mean no one i know who has encore but it'll be Mm -hmm. showing on encore as will i believe rise of the silver surfer and 
It can't just be because they're trying to fill a time slot. They want to utilize that licensing agreement probably to be able to have the rights to that film on their network. Yeah. And plus also, once again, superhero movies are friggin' big. Yeah. They're popular. They are some of the most well-attended films in the world. So I understand why you're going to utilize that, have people turning into your channel at that moment watching that. But once again, it's disheartening to hear people go on saying, I don't like the Fantastic Four. I think they're boring. Well, Eddie, I'm giving my recommendation of the Fantastic Four run by Mark Wade and Mike Warengo. I'm also giving the recommendation of Fantastic Four and FF, Future Foundation, by Jonathan Hickman, which are both series that show the reader the family dynamic of the Fantastic Four, the heart and soul of them. Yep, I I agree, especially since I did read the FF run. Future Foundation. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah, it was definitely a different spin and... And truth be told, you don't need to read all of Jonathan Hickman's Marvel epic, which started with Secret Warriors and go all the way to Secret Wars. You don't Mm -hmm. have to read all that. FF can be self-contained and just be read with, paired alongside that run of Fantastic Four. And it's, no pun intended, fantastic stuff. Which, by the way, you can check out, I believe, on Marvel Unlimited and Comixology, comic shops all over the world. And also, it's being, I believe, recollected in the Hickman run. So, like, you get, I think, 20-something issues in Volume 1, 20-something issues mm. in Volume 2. It goes from there. Oh, if I'm not mistaken, that FF run, when I had seen that it was coming out as a new th- a new title, a new configuration, it, it, right down to the new white with little pieces of black in the costume, that it was a, a new starting point. Yeah. But it didn't ignore... What had happened before, let's say, it's because of past events, I think, that you had this new incarnation, which included Spider-Man. Yeah. And With that really cool costume, which just recently yeah. got immortalized in Insomniac game Spider-Man. Oh, see that? Okay. Just like the one that you said that... The Bagman. That, that he... The Bagman one. The, uh, the I would call it, unknown comic one. Bombastic Bagman. Bomba- that's reserved for a villain and that adjective... Bombastic for fantastic. Which, well, so it rhymes. But I think we reserve that one for a uh, future first appearance Friday. Or not too far away. Bombastic character. But yeah, Eddie... Who did debut in a Fantastic Four um, pre-100 issue title. But this, I believe, FF series run takes place after the negative zone Annihilus caused, I think, death of Johnny Storm. Yes, because that's why Spidey's in there. Yep. Okay, so I got that part right. And you also like see, I believe, in the Hickman run, the return of Johnny. Johnny comes back yep. from the dead, and it's emotional. Because, again, when, in the world of comics, when a character dies, it's kind of like pro wrestling retirements. They don't stick. Yeah. And the death of Johnny Storm... Even for those around him, probably, his loved ones and family, they are probably shocked beyond belief that he did come back from the dead. Because, yeah, it can happen, but he came back from the quote-unquote dead. He was in another dimension. Yeah. And kind of like Reed and Sue in another dimension, going off and creating new worlds in the Dan Slot run. <laughs> and I, I cannot recommend both the Wade and Waringo run and Jonathan Hickman's runs enough. Eddie... Though you have a much more vast knowledge of the comics, you've been reading longer than I have. 
what are some Fantastic Four runs other than the Stan and Jack run? Because we're going to take that off the table because that's a given. Because you have the Galactus stuff, you have Black Panther, you have the Inhumans, you have etc. First off, by the way, oh, the Fantastic Four doesn't matter. Look at all those characters that originated. Silver friggin' Surfer originated in the FF. You know what? On that note, I have to say for a minute that as a late Christmas gift that I just recently acquired a pretty good-sized coffee table textbook, hardcover book, called The Marvel Age of Comics, spanning 1961 to 1970, was it 73 or 78, by Roy Thomas, which I will bring this year sometime to a con that I will get to and get it autographed. By Roy the Boy? And dated. If you want me to. That's how I roll. I I thought there were a couple others that I will make this this year. But there's got to be... For our postings of First Appearance Fridays, I'm going to say close to a year's worth of First Appearances that we'll be able to... to it's helped me do reference work. And a, a load of them are Fantastic Four-based yeah. origin. From Willie Lumpkin, which I think also ties Blue in with... Whose secret as, power is what, Eddie? The, the male. I, no, not just that. <laughs> he can do this. He can do what? With his ear? He can hear? No, he... Well, no, you can you don't see it moving... Oh, he can wiggle his ears. Which I can too. That's my wiggling Willie Lumpkin. That's well, my mutant ability. I can too underneath my headphones. Attaboy. It well, makes I my to... eyebrows move too, but you know. Mine too. At the same time. So visual, you didn't need to know, and thank goodness you didn't have to see it. It was a little embarrassing for both of us. But I think with Willie Lumpkin, it also has the Impossible Man on that cover. There's also two issues yeah, later, yeah. the first appearance of The Watcher, which you can think is FF number 13. The scrolls appear in number two. Yeah. The Mole Man appears in number one. And you got Doctor Doom. Man, of imagine course, imagine being like a diehard fan of Mole Man, and you have all of his appearances, but you're missing one. <laughs> Just imagine being that person. That's why, like, no, I'm lucky that I own the first appearance of Deadpool. I own <laughs> the first appearance of Star Lord. I never have to worry. Mind you, another favorite character of mine, Spider Man. Am I ever going to buy that? Oh hell no. But <laughs> I understand. I understand the aspect of wanting to collect your favorite characters, but I'm also like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Now, Eddie, so. like I said, taking Stan and Jack's run off the table, tell the audience at home what runs you consider. What creative teams do you feel made the best Fantastic Four that they should read? Well... Like I may have mentioned in more than one podcast, I didn't pay much attention to names of writers and artists. Until later Although, on. Although, until much later on, I'm still going back and saying, wait a minute, that's who that, you know. So I will catch up with the current, like we talked about this book club issue, and remember the names and so on. But I do remember certain ones that stick out, and among other titles that he did in his time in the 80s, because I started with FF. Um, before or right around number 200, maybe in the 170s, let's say, there, thereabouts. So probably during a George Perez run. I don't know if it was Perez. Or Buscema. Or, or, Buscema, or Joe Sinat was doing the artwork there for sure, and then coming into the John Byrne run, which I also loved, of going through through that. And somewhere in the 330s issue numbers where I got out for a time and, and took taking a while and coming back, filling the gap, and now it's all the reading that's that's what's left. Mind the gap. So that was the time where I think I remember the most. I think I associate artist-wise John Byrne 
most readily with, if I have to think of who did FF, who did the Fantastic Four, and that name comes to the forefront. As well as then, of course, X-Men leading into the Phoenix days with Chris Claremont and uh, and that whole other uh, run. So that I remember most um, fondly. And, and not so much of a storyline type of a synopsis thing, but just visually, that's what I remember best about it. And uh, just really liked, even when they experimented it in one or two cases and doing an issue that was sideways. So it didn't open and the pages didn't continue on a vertical nature, but it was horizontal. So you fold, you open, and I think, I don't know why, I'm thinking of issue number 236. That could be the one, a John Byrne one, that was all horizontal, that whole entire issue. Right. And if I'm right, I'm right. If not, okay, I'm not. If he dies, he dies. Thank you, Drago. Rock, Rocky Four. Mm-hmm. Duh. So now, Eddie, before we go, hmm. let's just... What are some? What are your favorite Fantastic Four memories? Like, not memories, but the memory of the Fantastic Four. Because for me, I'm going to go with taking the chance and saying, you know what, screw it. I'm going to give this a read. Because for years and years and years, I just could not get into the Fantastic Four. And I was like many of these other people. It's boring. It doesn't seem like a fun book. And the reason it didn't attract me was because of how much content there was. But then again, that's a lame duck excuse because, hi, I've read almost every single issue of The Amazing Spider-Man. So I have no room to talk there. Yeah. But with the Fantastic Four, I realized, oh my God, I actually do love this. I love the invisible woman who can turn invisible. That's about it. But I love <laughs> Reed Richards who can shapeshift and do this and this and this. I love Johnny Storm who goes off and is just on fire and doing his thing and shooting fireballs and pissing off Ben Grimm, having that lovable relationship with them. And again, Ben Grimm, the thing, the ever-loving thing. What time is it, Eddie? It's clobbering time, you know? And to see these characters, to see the family dynamic that, yeah, you have the Avengers who are almost like a family, but not really because they're also, it's an ever-rotating cast of characters. Then you have characters over at the Distinguished Competition like the event, like the Justice League who, if we're being honest, they don't get along. They don't have that fi- family dynamic. They're just co-workers that once the day is over, they clock out and go home. I'm pretty positive Green Arrow is not going to be hanging out with Metamorpho. That's just me. That's just my thoughts. But with the Fantastic Four, you have the sense of camaraderie. You have the sense of family. You have the sense of love and compassion, gentle ribbing with each other, just having a good time. And that's impressive. For that storytelling, it's impressive. And some people have gone on record to go on and say, that the Fantastic Four run by Kirby and Lee is the great American novel. Like the 100 issues plus is the great American novel. And it's not far off from the truth. I think of memories of the Fantastic Four in, as you were going through what you were saying. Rambling. That they don't seem to get past their own, the confines of their own, not that it's confines, but the parameters of their own title. There's been a Marvel 2-in-1, 
and maybe some little limited series, little runs, that kind of thing. But they really didn't get out, I don't, if memory serves, cross over into other books and get involved into many multiple other things going on. So that made for some sense of continuity, I feel. There are events that happened during the course of what I have read, and more so what I have yet to read, Richards, that I think are significant. Like, then there were three. No read for a little while. The new Fantastic Four for that brief period of time. And then leading up to Johnny Storm's demise. So I I have a semblance of that, but everything that brings it up to that, you know, is the catch-up part of what I need to do. Cats up? It's a good thing I like ketchup and mustard sometimes. Maybe not mixed. What about relish? Mm, Relish is good. Mayo? eh, That is also good. Yes, that is also rocket. (laughs) Vermin. He called me a rodent. Yeah. So there are good memories in there, more that need to follow and get caught up with. But uh, it's a family story. I think the creators definitely kept that in mind. They didn't want them going which every which way but loose into other books, maybe. They would have others in their titles. As uh, a recently referenced Fantastic Four number 99 with the Inhumans in there. I think Johnny Storm is the only one that's on the cover. But in some cases, they show up in others. Um, The other post was uh, Avengers number 93. And the most of the characters, actually just three, you don't see literally the invisible girl i am assuming she may or may not be on that cover intentionally again part of the catch up to do cats up mm. we're gonna go with that joke again or not or not that's what i got so yeah uh i would say if you got marvel unlimited if you got comiXology which by the way i believe you can get the first i think 50 or so issues through the Marvel Masterworks on the Comixology Unlimited for like just borrow as a part of your membership or just any other way to, you know, check them out, library, whatever. Give the Fantastic Four a try because as you can tell, I will say this. This month made me really, really, really enjoy the Fantastic Four more than I ever had. Mm. And I am consuming so much Fantastic Four content now as a result. I'm reading stuff on Marvel Unlimited. I'm going to comic book shops in New York City, picking up books that I've never had before that I'm like, you know what, I'll pick this up. I'm getting stuff from the Marvel uh, sales on Comixology. I'm consuming it in so many different ways. And how many comic book titles can you say were roasted by Fred Hembeck? Ah, there's a good one. And I have that issue. Yeah, I do too. I need that signed. But, yeah, it's just a fun group of characters, and it's a fun story. And if you're not reading it now, check it out. Check out the Fantastic Four by Dan Slott, which right now, friend of the show, Aaron Cooter, he's currently the artist on there. And Aaron, if you've seen his stuff over at DC for Action Comics, if you've seen his stuff at Marvel for Guardians of the Galaxy, or all new Guardians of the Galaxy, sorry, all new Guardians of the Galaxy. They are the new... Ones to have the all new in front of their title now? Well, that was just the regular movie lineup, and okay. they called it all new because oh. it was coming out at the time of volume two. Oh. Also, the Infinity Countdown stuff. Just gorgeous looking art. And yeah, just phenomenal stuff. Check that out. The I believe 
Ben just got married in the comics. He had a Jewish wedding. He wore a yarmulke on his orange head. It was pretty cool, but it was a pretty tiny large. Yarmulke. It was tiny. It was a tiny yarmulke. As far as rock but, monster heads go, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But just fun stuff. And I do highly, highly, highly recommend reading stuff with the FF. So before, Eddie, we go and conclude this episode, let's go through our usual social media rigmarole that we could just probably have the listener listen to the first few minutes of the episode, but I like hearing myself talk. Go ahead. Go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... Um, Marvelists. Give us a like-ski on there. Give myself a like. Facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can also go on Twitter at... The Marvelists. Give us a follow on there. Give myself a follow at Peter Melnick and hashtag... The Mole Man says no. Eddie Wilson's Twitter account is underground here, and we're never going to let it go because Eddie doesn't want it, so he doesn't care. Hashtag Jeremy Bagley. Also, go on Instagram at... The Marvelous. Give us a follow on there. Give myself a follow at Peter Melnick and yourself... At Eddie9193. Drop us a line in our email bag, questions, comments, yada, yada, yada. The Marvelous at gmail.com. Also, finally, you can listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. First off, before we even get into those, go on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Leave a review, leave a five-star review, and let people know you're liking this show because it helps out with the iTunes algorithm, lets more people say, golly gee whiz, I'm going to look for a Marvel podcast today. Huh. Oh, they had Mark Ruffalo on this show. Now that took care of the audio level. Thank you very much. Sure did. But you can listen to us on there. And once again, rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Well, it's not the big end. Spotify was. That's right. They're all the big end in their own individual way. And once again, go on Stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And when you do, you get a free one month of Stitcher premium. And after one month is over, it's only $4.99. 499 pennies, Eddie. Per month. Per month. You can listen to a crap ton of audio content, including the Nerdist archives, the Smodcast archives, the Earwolf archives, Mark Maron's archives, etc., etc. But most importantly, Marvel's first foray into podcasting, serialized podcasting, no less, Wolverine. The Long Night. Once again, Stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. So for Peter Melnick, I am Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!